0: Hannah. Welcome to the Machine Unlearning Learning podcast. We both have degrees in English literature, we both work at the cutting edge of emerging technologies and neither of us can properly code. This podcast exists
1: to seek out people working with technology in unconventional ways so that we can explore the tech world through new lenses, squash tech snobbery, meet really cool people and more importantly introduce you to one another.
0: Today, we're delighted to be talking to Rukmini Prasad, who is a Partnership and Products Manager at Digital Catapult, the UK's leading advanced digital technology innovation centre. Digital Catapult aimed to drive early adoption, making UK businesses more competitive and productive to help grow the UK economy. She has an array of interesting experiences via Vodafone and Google, and a particular expertise in IoT, and we're really excited to be talking to her today. So welcome, Rukmini, how are you today?
2: Hello, I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thank you so much for having me. How are you both
1: doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yes, good. Just in my new flat with my new cat, so it's a very exciting time. Very nice. In my life. Yeah, now I am responsible for an animal and it's all fine. Um, (laughs) But that is not what we're here to talk to you about today. Indeed, indeed. I suppose not. Oh, I do like
0: talking about cats though.
1: (laughs) No, we must talk about technology. (laughs) You can do a cat <laughs> podcast separately. <laughs> <laughs> or cat and, and give... technology, you should do a hybrid.
0: That would be fun actually, that would be fun. <laughs> so to give our listeners some background, rookie, can you tell us about yourself and your role at Digital Catapult? Yeah, sure,
2: absolutely. So um, my name is Rikini Prasad, as already mentioned, I work at Digital Catapult now, which is the UK's sort of leading research and innovation centre. Our aim really is to grow the UK economy and UK PLC through the adoption of advanced digital technologies. So I work specifically within the internet of things business, but across the digital catapult, we look at things like AI and machine learning, 5G, virtual reality and augmented reality. And really our aim is to sort of show UK businesses that by adopting these technologies, they can grow, be more efficient, do more interesting things. So we work with large organizations to sort of adopt this technology. And then with the technology innovators themselves who are actually making these technology solutions. Um, So it's been a really interesting role. I joined back in February. And then prior to that, I've worked at a number of different places. I was at Vodafone and Google and I did a philosophy degree prior to that. So totally unrelated. And I've kind of found my way into tech somehow.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons we was so excited to talk to you to sort of see about that journey from philosophy all the way to to Internet of Things. Um, so, what yeah. you know, our our English literature degrees got us into AI, and yours got you yeah. into IoT. So that's apparently how that a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, what did first get you into the world of IoT in the first place? Um, so, yeah,
2: as I said, I did a philosophy degree, and there was no kind of tech really involved at least in my undergraduate studies but I think I became more and more increasingly interested in marketing when I was doing that degree Um, sort of learning about people and ethics and the way that people tick and I didn't really want to stay in academia and I thought marketing would be pretty interesting and I had all these visions of myself as sort of a high-flying you know, executive and an ad agency or something. So when I was finishing my degree, I was applying for a number of grad schemes and I kind of, I found my way onto the Vodafone grad scheme, working in the marketing space there. But of course, Vodafone is a giant tech and, and telco organization. So that was really my first exposure to technology as an industry. And it was a really, really good place to start my career. They do so many varied things you know, I think they do a lot of the stuff that we kind of know them for as a household name, sort of our mobiles and our broadband. But of course, a lot of what they do is in advanced digital technology. So things like IoT, uh, 5G. So I was really interested in learning about, about how that all works. So I did a two year graduate scheme there, which was across a number of different programs. And then when I finished the graduate scheme was when I made my first move into the world of IoT Um, having finished that program I took a role in the internet of things sales team at Vodafone so it was quite a new experience for me because I hadn't worked in sales and I hadn't worked in internet of things so it was a bit of a double whammy finishing that program but I really enjoyed it and it was definitely my first foray into that world but it was it was so interesting um, my experience there I was working specifically on a portfolio of accounts, which was called the international public sector. So it was um, large global NGOs like Oxfam, Red Cross, the World Health Organization, uh, government organizations, and then um, military accounts. And this was really my first exposure into how IoT can make a difference, how it can support organizations that really need to kind of be as efficient and as lean as possible in order to make um in order to be effective these kinds of organizations really cannot have any waste within their processes within their supply chain so it was my it was my first exposure to that and I I really enjoyed it so that's that was kind of how I found meandered my way into that world somehow.
1: (laughs) I really like that like almost this idea of like all of those accidental stages but then you found something that really kind of yeah, like really you. yeah
2: yeah and it's interesting when you look back and you think about you know the kinds of things you're studying or doing as a university student how you know I'd never even heard of the internet of things when I was doing my degree but it's something I've now discovered and really really enjoy and want to keep working in so yeah it's interesting all these things can lead you to somewhere you never saw coming <laughs> um
1: and you know as someone who you know I, I have heard of the internet of things and like I totally know what it is um I totally. do actually I, yeah I do actually know what it is like in <laughs> broad theory but actually I think probably when it comes down to what it actually is to work in it and sort of what you mean I think it would be really great to yeah just hear a bit more about it as as a technology how it works sort of what yeah what what it is what do we mean yeah. When we that?
2: yeah yeah absolutely so Um, we, we say the term IoT a lot but what it stands for is internet of things really at a very basic level it's about connecting things and making them smart in order to get data from them and make decisions based on this data so essentially it's about connecting dumb objects dumb things with sensors to get info from them analyze that information and then create an action or a next step based on the data that you've just gathered from that dumb object or without human interaction. So it's really based around sort of sensors and connectivity on things which are not connected otherwise. So I think in probably consumer terms, we've all heard of the connected fridge, for example where you take a dumb fridge and you can connect it so that you can start, um, you know, making decisions. The fridge will tell you, oh, you've run out of apple juice because I have looked at, you know, assessed your fridge and made a decision for you that you should order more apple juice. Obviously, these can be quite gimmicky, I think. So I think some of the interesting ways to think about IoT are through perhaps more real world case studies. So if you think about a large factory, this is something I've worked on in Digital Catapult. But if you think about a large factory, um, you know, acres and acres of different sort of building sites where they might be constructing diggers or planes or something will be made up of hundreds of different parts which can go missing more often than uh, you might imagine (laughs) but these parts can be worth you know hundreds of thousands of pounds but sometimes it really is a case of people not knowing where the part is not knowing what status it's in so is it actually working is it not working but as soon as you add sensors and connectivity to these things you actually know sort of instantly where the part is what stage it's in is it still working is it about to break down is it about to break down in three months Um, and you can make much smarter decisions so we find a lot of customers you know either lose parts and then they spend manpower trying to find these parts which is obviously inefficient and a waste of their people and their resources as soon as they know where that thing is they can actually instantly know where it is but then also Innovate faster, give their customers a better experience because there's no delays in stuff getting to them, for example. So, really, Internet of Things is about connecting things which are dumb, uh, making them smart, and then allowing yourself to make decisions based on that, which improve your processes.
1: It's really interesting. Sorry, Karen, I'm just gonna sneak Go on it, but it's really interesting, like the language of dumb and smart, and like how that's like the technical terminology in a way but it's also quite a like it's quite a weighty term to just sort of a a lay person a bit a bit I don't know does it feel that way when you guys use it like is it like do you now judge objects that aren't connected
2: (laughs) no no not at all and I don't think everything needs to be connected like like um, some things that you come across in consumer connected things um, don't I personally think always need to be connected or they might not add that much value to a user um I I think it's probably just maybe even just a like an industry term I've never given much thought to but really it's just about things which aren't connected which could be connected and it would be useful
0: if they were connected that's probably the distinction so on the podcast so far we've talked quite a lot about AI we've also talked about VR and also we've explored the fact that some of the roles within these industries have uh, they're very code heavy that you need to be a developer and there's also a lot of roles that you don't necessarily need coding for but when you're in that space it feels like you might need to know quite a lot of information about code or just have a background knowledge so that you can contribute to the conversations can you tell us a bit about the kind of technologies and disciplines relevant to your area and what kind of knowledge is is useful in your i suppose in your role specifically but also are there a lot of very tech heavy sides of the roles and are there other roles that don't require any kind of coding or development background that are still really really important to the overall mission of the business
2: yeah absolutely i think it depends probably on what you're interested in and what kind of area you do want to work in if you are sort of very technically minded um There are IoT engineers who specialize in networking, protocols, technology standards, you know, different types of connectivity. So there's plenty of roles that require a technical background. But if you are not, you know, technically minded or you don't want to be a technology engineer or an IoT engineer, there's plenty of roles where you don't need, you know, that level of of understanding in order to be successful or in order to make a success of the role either. So for me I think I've always been more interested in the kind of product and proposition development side so really understanding what's going on in the market what kind of gaps are there where could we as an organization be playing um, looking at for example TRL's technology readiness level where is where's the gap and f- sort of going out to market to understand what's missing, where might we want to sell things, what might we want to design, you know, running interviews, speaking to customers. I'm much more interested in that than, you know, the technology engineering side, but that doesn't mean you don't need some awareness. So obviously I need to understand how the internet of things works at a basic level, you know, understanding different kinds of networks, um, what it takes to build a solution what might be some restrictions maybe benefits of different types of networks um, network types for example but other than that I don't feel that to do my job successfully I need to have an understanding that goes much beyond that um, my role really is about speaking to industry speaking to customers to figure out what is interesting to them and what we could be working on with them And then my job is about understanding that, synthesizing that, and then creating a product or a proposition that we could deliver for them that would be useful in conjunction with my technology counterparts in engineering, et cetera, who can help me understand what's technically possible, what's technically feasible, help with scoping and help understand the best way of deploying the solution. So it's really about working collaboratively, I think. But no, I, d- I don't feel like I'm limited or or um, unable to do my job as effectively because I don't have the detailed understanding. I think, I think in order to do a product or propositions or even a sales job effectively, you need to understand enough to be able to have a conversation with a customer. And then you can work with your teams to sort of make the outcome a reality.
0: Brilliant, Yeah. That makes that makes a lot of sense, and I think that's what we've talked about as well, Hannah, isn't it, in previous episodes around that idea of it's you just need to know enough. You have to have an understanding, a basic understanding of the technology, so you can communicate your requirements, but also and communicate to clients. But also, it's just good to know what's happening under the hood and to understand that a little bit. But it doesn't necessarily impact what you can do and the things that you can do as an individual within the business. So that's that's interesting to hear, and I am. it's do you find it do you have do you have a really good relationship with the tech people in your business like if you you were saying it sounded like you were you work quite closely with them is that quite a nice relationship you have where you sort of bounce ideas off each other and support each other in the things that you do
2: yeah absolutely and I think it's probably integral in order to sort of sufficiently serve your customers you really need a good internal working relationship, I think, between the kind of business development, product development and the technology side because ultimately a product just cannot come to market if there's not a cohesive relationship between all those different functions. So absolutely working with them is is very much integral to the success of any product we bring to market or any kind of customer relationship because whilst we can have the conversation with the customer and really understand their needs... We really need the IoT engineers to sort of sometimes bring us back down to earth and say, actually, you know, this is what's possible or this is what the current technology allows or this is their requirements. So, yeah, we absolutely will do a lot of the scoping, a lot of the customer conversations, but then bring them in as as early as possible to to understand what we can deliver. And, And often, you know, they've got really brilliant ideas because they've got such a wide understanding of the market technology types that might be coming up different kinds of solutions that we could suggest that you know I might not be aware of but they've come across or read about in in more of an academic context for example so absolutely working with them I think is I think is very very important that sounds like a nice environment
0: to work in I think really collaborative that sounds really nice
2: yeah yeah it really is and and I think the success of what we deliver is always going to be hinged on that on that working relationship
1: and do you ever have to do that like from the other perspective like sort of what what would be sort of the business yeah absolutely absolutely
2: because I think um sometimes there can be cases where you know those who are interested in the technology perhaps from a more academic perspective will want to explore that but it's not necessarily a commercial opportunity so I think sometimes it's up to myself and my colleagues in the business development side to actually rein, rein my technology colleagues and then say, you know, whilst this is very interesting, academically speaking, um, our customers don't care about this or, or the minutia of this is not going to excite them such that we'll bring in commercial money. So it's, it's definitely a balancing act, um, which I think we're probably always working on getting right. I don't know if we've figured that out quite yet. But it's definitely, it's definitely something we need to, we need to work on together. And, and sometimes we need to also do the the reining
1: in. <laughs> yeah, I find that really interesting. Like, I can't remember if I've said this on this podcast before, but like, our tech guys half the time don't know why people would pay for the things we're asking them to build. They're just like, yeah, we'll, we'll trust you that someone will pay money for this. But, but why? <laughs> so so it's a uh, yeah it's an interesting relationship um so I mean it sounds like you guys have a really good dynamic going and I think you know it sounds like there's probably like lots of personal but also environmental reasons for that I mean we we had um we had quite a good chat about sort of early versus late adopters on a different podcast and I think there can be sort of attitudes inherent to that that help support that I'm just wondering whether you you know if not in this role then maybe in previous roles have you seen much kind of technological imposter syndrome happening between the people who are technological and not and you know why do you think that happens when it when it does
2: yeah I think it's a very real phenomenon <laughs> we probably all feel working in this industry I think sometimes it's it's almost inescapable and I think there can definitely be situations where you're in a meeting where people are saying those you know four word Or four-letter, you know, acronyms about technology terms you've never heard of, and you're kind of smiling and secretly Googling in the background about what someone might be talking about. I think we've definitely all been there. But all I all I kind of say to myself whenever that happens is probably similar to the last answer I gave you, but we all have different strengths and we're all working on the project for a different reason. So it's easy for me to sort of have that imposter syndrome about not understanding a certain technology type. But I know that I'm as a product or a salesperson bringing different strengths that perhaps um, my colleagues who do know all the four letter uh, code words might not have strengths in those areas so the technology-minded question you just asked me about you know do you ever have to do the reining in I think that's where sometimes I can see my strengths coming through of okay well you know whilst this is very interesting and I'll admit I don't understand all of it but a customer probably wouldn't either and they probably wouldn't care so we need to perhaps pivot to be looking at something that will sell and will make us money so I think it's very easy to have that imposter syndrome come in and feel quite panicked about it in the moment I think and um, sort of be worrying if you know do I do I even know what I'm talking about should I be working on this technology if I don't know all these things and everyone else seems to know these things and but And so honestly, sometimes I I kind of sit back and I just think, I don't really care about those things. You know, I think it's quite, I think it's quite easy to feel like you should know everything, but, you know, sometimes you don't, you don't need to, to do your job well. And, and I think I've managed to figure out that, you know, I know, I know enough and I can always be learning more, but I think I know enough to be able to do my job effectively. And if I wanted to be an IoT engineer, I would have (laughs) not done a philosophy degree and I would probably know those things. So, it's easy to feel that way but I think it's important for those of us who aren't you know engineers or 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 coders etc to remind ourselves that we have skills that perhaps our colleagues don't and actually it's kind of a sum of the whole that makes the project successful
1: Mm. oh I love that and there's something like quite freeing about that idea of going do you know what it's fine if I don't know I just don't care like I, I was giving a talk the other day and someone asked me what language is, what language our platform was in. And I was like, oh, well, you know, English at the moment, but we're looking at Chinese models. <laughs> and he was like, no, I meant programming language. <laughs> I <was just> like, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> C sharp, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and I just, I just decided not to be embarrassed because at that point, also the talk was about DRX and I'm like if you've listened to a whole project about sex research and your question is what programming language was it written in then I think you've done something wrong not me so but
2: also but also you don't need to feel embarrassed about that because that's not that's not you know what you are adding to the project you you know you're you're there to serve a different role and you're doing that very well so there's no need to feel like you need to be doing your job and 10 other people's jobs in order to be effective or be contributing I think
1: mm, need you to tell me that in a working environment <laughs> <laughs> you should just listen to this podcast again yeah. and again <laughs> as motivation
0: <laughs> I love that too I'm definitely going to take that forward and it is so true you now you said it the idea that actually everyone brings something different to the party and you don't have to feel bad for not being able to do everything it's a it's a really good and, point. I
2: mean and, I think if you think yeah. about it any product would fail if you just had one group of people you know if you just had the techie engineers and coders building the product that would fail and if you had people who had no technical expertise but all the kind of market understanding that would fail as well so you do need everyone involved and I think if you can confidently you know feel confident that you know what you're bringing I mean I'm saying this and I'm and I'm I I am aware that it sounds like I do this all the time and I definitely don't I think it is very easy to fall into that quick google and (laughs) I need to know what this is because I don't want to feel like I don't know something but I think it's just reminding yourself again and again that it's okay sometimes to not know things. And, and also there'll be times where you know more about the thing, perhaps not technically, but you'll know more about why you're doing that project or the value of it than your technical colleagues. So it'll always be give and take, I
0: think. Definitely. So changing the subject a little bit, we talked earlier about you studying philosophy. Yeah. Do you have any strong opinions about some of the ethical technology debates that are going on at the moment.
2: Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I'd actually messaged Hannah before the the, um, recording today to kind of find out perhaps more about what you were referring to when you meant kind of ethical technology, because I think probably in every technology stream there's a slightly different debate that goes on Um, because obviously you both work in AI, so I can only imagine that's kind of around algorithm bias or all those kinds of things that come in i think probably some of the stuff i see within internet of things when it comes to perhaps ethical debates one is obviously i guess the cliche of you know robots will replace everyone's jobs and there'll be nothing left for humans to do and and that kind of thing i guess obviously you know iot internet of things is known as industry 4.0 so the the fourth industrial revolution is really what we see that technology as and with every industrial revolution that's happened in the past, you know we've never, we don't suddenly, we haven't been through all those industrial revolutions and now have a society which doesn't do anything for itself. Every time there's an industrial revolution, we evolve and we adapt, and roles change, so there are new and interesting jobs that are created every time. So I don't think there'll ever be a case of this time there'll be nothing left. Um, I think some of the other stuff I've seen is around perhaps using IoT for tracking. That people are not ethically comfortable with, so maybe tracking of people is is one. So people counting, for example, and then tracking of perhaps classified goods. So people often take objection with things like you know missile tracking or tracking of military equipment. Um, these kinds of things I think comes up quite often as well. What would
0: constitute as unethical use of an uneth- unethical use of IoT? So you talked about some of the the missile tracking and the likes is there anything else in that sort of area that is really raging from a debate point of view at the moment
2: it's a really good question and i don't think the debate rages as much as it does in ai because i think where the issues come in is probably when you've collected all this data from iot then you apply an AI algorithm because obviously IoT and AI should work hand in hand a lot of the time. IoT is really about collecting data and making decisions. And if you can apply an algorithm or or something to help you make those decisions, that's where it becomes interesting. I think that's where a lot of the debate ends up coming in. But I haven't seen all that much that's going on around IoT, apart from perhaps, yeah, tracking of things, tracking of people, which, which, people can take
0: issue with. I think working in AI, you think that potentially there's a debate around ethics in every aspect of technology. And I guess there is, and you're talking about missile tracking and people tracking. And you know, clearly there's there's issues there, but maybe they're not all as Yeah, Yeah, I
2: mean at Digital Catapult, we've got an AI and ethics committee. So it is very much a raging topic there. And you know, large industry gets involved in that committee. And it's run by my colleague Simone. um, So that' That is very much raging, but no, we don't yeah. have something similar in IoT or in five G, for example. But I guess that's not to say these things won't crop up sure. time to sure. time.
1: Well, I mean, five G eating our brains, COVID. <laughs> COVID. Yeah, that's a really controversial <laughs> topic, um, but possibly not in the not in the same way. I don't think we can do technology conspiracy theories today. That might. Be I don't. Difference. I don't think we should. Yeah. Although that would be an interesting podcast, maybe for another time. <laughs> so, fourth industrial re- revolution—it's happening. Mm-hmm. IoT it's happening. It's here. So, yeah, we're in it. Um. So, what what advances in this technology are you most excited about?
2: So, I think in terms of advances in the technology, some of the things I'm really interested in are uses of of different technology types. So, very much what we've seen so far has been kind of using different connectivity types whether that's cellular you know so what i vodafone does for example or whether that's bluetooth but now what we're seeing more and more is kind of using a blend of these different types of technologies so a product a project i'm working on at the moment is around social distancing for example and actually most social distancing products use bluetooth as a standard. And that's usually really good it does the job for sort of detecting things and how far things might be. But in case of social distancing, it doesn't quite do the job because it can actually be a few meters out. So for most things, that's probably fine. You know, if you're trying to find your friend and it tells you it's sort of your friend is five meters away when actually, you know, maybe they're 10, you'll still find them. But when it comes to social distancing and you really need to know down to sort of, you know, less than a meter, it doesn't do the job. So we're looking at how we can use different technology types together to sort of improve things like accuracy. So that's something I'm really excited about. I'm really excited about different trends that are emerging. So at the moment, I'm working with local authorities around how they can use IoT to sort of support recovery with COVID. Uh, I mean, COVID is obviously the big theme at the moment. But using technology to help kind of local authorities with things like social, enforcing social distancing, people counting, um, safe transport of medication is a big one that's coming up again and again. So you can use IoT not only to kind of track the delivery, but actually things like keeping temperature, c- keeping control of temperature for medication that needs to be stored at certain certain temperatures as well. So I'm really interested by what's going on in kind of living in the new normal and how you can use technology like iot to do that and then i think the other thing i already mentioned but really about the combination of iot and ai together i think that's something we need to explore much more of because as i said iot really is about collecting the data and then doing interesting things with it but if you could add that kind of intelligent decision making layer on top of it the, the products and the solutions will just become so much more interesting and probably so much more useful quickly so bringing those two technology strands together I think again will be something I'm very interested in seeing seeing what happens in that world
1: that's really exciting so many different things but um so
2: many things yeah
1: and COVID obviously a big one I think it is kind of true like I was speaking to different
2: people recently and although COVID obviously has had all the disastrous impacts that we that we know about it's interesting from a even from a technology perspective for example when I was speaking to local authorities they were saying it's been like this kind of enforced digitization process they've had to go through because there's just no other way to run their services for example so Mm. things that they were running you know in person you would have to come into the council building they've had to transform almost overnight so it has been it has been something I think at least digitally speaking which has given people almost a kick to 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 kickstart those processes so it has been it's been interesting to see where that is going to go I think
1: almost like a globally imposed hackathon (laughs) yeah exactly Um, exactly like a globally imposed hackathon um all right this has been so interesting thank you so much for taking the time to talk to, to us just before we go um our last question would just be as it is to everyone do you have any advice to anyone listening who wants to get into this area Um, sort of particularly IoT, um, we'd love to hear it.
2: Yeah, definitely. Well, listen to this podcast. (laughs) There's a plug. Um, But I think apart from that, read as much as you can about the subject, but don't feel, probably to my earlier points, threatened by not understanding all of it. I think the most accessible way that I got really excited by it was reading case studies rather than reading about the technology itself. Because unless you're technically minded and you find that interesting. I don't particularly find it interesting to read about different protocols. But if I'm reading a case study about how a massive charity has managed to track goods in really remote areas and making sure that people, um, you know, have access to food and water and can actually prove to their donors how much money was saved in this exercise. That's that's really exciting. And you can see the impact of the technology very quickly. I found that was a really easy way to get interested in the tech because that's something you can read about every day and feel like you could relate to it. So I think that's one big way I found myself sort of finding the technology much more accessible is to read case studies as much as possible rather than going headfirst into needing to understand different protocols and things because, because you don't. <laughs>
0: lovely thank you so much it's been absolutely fascinating I've learned, I've learned loads even though it's only been a half an hour 40 minutes with you so thank you so much we really do appreciate you coming yeah. on
1: I now feel like I could go work in IOT because obviously the takeaway is you don't have to know anything about it
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> oh god
2: I hope that's not what I gave across
1: <laughs> no no not at all not at all I know but... I know thank you for having me uh no this was really great thank you so much